1: Good afternoon and welcome. It's Monday, time for our Zoomer squad, and we have good news for a change. The infection rate numbers are down, the weather is fine, and the government has come through with a major ask. The interval between the first and second doses has been reduced, and people over 80 have been able to start booking their second shots as of today. Though last week, I saw disturbing numbers showing that those in that age group had lower vaccination rates than younger people, not because of any hesitancy, but because of difficulty in accessing the resources, especially for people who had issues with mobility, who had issues with computers, or who had issues with uh, anything else, including English as a first language. Uh, so the numbers to call if you have questions, 416 360 toll-free 866 40. Uh, the government has also extended the expiry on some AstraZeneca doses. We are going to take that up in the second half of the show. And now I would like to welcome the Zoomer Squad's David Kravitz, Vice President of Zoomer Media and Chief Membership Officer at CARP, Bill Van Gorder, Interim Chief Policy Officer at CARP, and Peter Muggridge, Senior Editor of Zoomer Magazine. Hi, everyone.
2: Hi, Libby. hi everyone
1: okay so uh uh bill is this all just good news?
3: Well, it certainly is better news than we've had for the last uh few weeks uh to talk about of course um uh, extending or, or shortening the the time between uh the the two shots carp's been advocating this for the last uh, three months. We're really pleased uh, to see this uh, happening and uh This means that people who want to get their vaccine can get it more quickly than they did before. And it also means that uh, maybe we can be more, more sure that the government's promise that everybody would have both vaccinations by the end of the summer uh, just may happen now.
1: David.
2: I think I agree with Bill. Um, This was anticipated. I have to give credit. They did say that, um, if more came in, they would accelerate. I remember Libby, we had a show way back at the beginning when most of us or all of us had our first shot and were saying, "Yeah, I got my second appointment, and it's not so and it looked like three months out, and there was a lot of controversy about that, but they did say all along that they were erring on the side of caution and if the supply came up they would they would shorten the time period, and it's good to know that they're they're doing that uh,
1: Peter, is this just politicians uh uh uh, Under promising and over delivering.
4: Yeah, Libya. I'm sure there's a certain element of that, but um, you know, throughout this whole um, rollout, the the supply of vaccine has been so erratic, and so I, I guess they didn't feel they could make any promises, any uh, you know, concrete promises at the beginning of it but now that it looks like some of the supply issues have been uh solved they're they're uh, looking on the bright side and uh you know i i am sure they're going to bask in the um y- you know the the effect of that news has on people but uh i you know i, I don't think it was planned they they didn't know ahead of time
1: uh, yeah, that's that's one thing. On the other hand, David, last week we had very upsetting numbers that, first of all, a lot of people over 80 haven't had their first dose yet, and that is because they can't get to the doses very easily. And, uh, you know, now presumably there may be some issues for those who will have trouble booking.
2: Well, I think I think it just shows you what happens when you have Too many topics chasing a limited attention, both, you know, media, public, government, Um, the government quite properly prioritized vaccinating people inside the actual long-term care homes as being the most vulnerable. But in the wider community, there were challenges at the beginning. I remember we had several shows talking about uh, difficulty getting online, difficulty understanding English. Are they going to run mobile... You know, uh, clinics and drive right up to where you live, or you're going to have to get yourself to some location. And, um, I don't know that they've been reporting on that regularly. I think we kind of assumed that that was going to work itself out and people would gradually figure out how to do it and where to go, especially since you've now got, um, appointments in less than a week at pharmacies for people in their, in their young 30s, as I know from my own family. Uh, you say, oh, well, the older people, surely they must have gotten it by now. And now we find out maybe they didn't. So I don't know whether they're, they're still trying real hard on that or whether they've just let it uh, fritter
1: away. Well, my understanding was that for people uh, who were housebound, the paramedics were going to go and i think they have but maybe they haven't got to everyone i mean it, it, this is you know these these are people that are you know frankly falling through the cracks and they're housebound they can't leave
3: yeah they are falling through the cracks and this has been uh, this has been the case long before covid in terms of the attention to what ends up being the majority of uh, older Ontarioans who don't live in long-term care facilities. And when you look at the population that uh, uh, both don't uh, either don't uh, uh, speak English as a first language or don't have the uh, access to the kind of assistance that, that they need, who live in uh, in settings where they're uh, as living as close together as many people in, in, in long-term care, these people have been ignored for years and, it's just becoming more evident during uh, COVID, and once again, we've got to hope that, that that the experiences during COVID will wake officials up to the position they're uh, putting uh, these uh, very much at risk uh, at risk people, and something is is being done about it. We really haven't had any reports to any extent yet that the uh, the individual attention to getting into. Uh, the residences where these people are, are stuck and can't get out of to get the, the COVID vaccine that there, 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 really are enough, there's enough numbers of people doing that, enough resources put, being put behind it that we're able to know that they're uh, being looked after with even their first, uh, the dose, let alone their second.
1: Peter, um, another disturbing thing we're hearing about in long-term care, and that is that there are still outbreaks. There are long-term care homes that don't have a sufficient percentage of staff vaccinated to prevent outbreaks. There are outbreaks, and it means that you'll, you'll have a place where 96 or 97% of the residents have both shots and they're still confined to their rooms.
4: Yeah, and and that's happened in several homes—one in Ottawa and one in Peterborough. And um, in, in both cases, most of the uh, residents had received the vaccine, and then uh, a staff member came in, and uh, well, they think it was a staff member came in, and it and uh, several residents who had been fully vaccinated contacted a variant of the, of the disease. Now, there, there's no, there's no. Uh, I don't think there have been any deaths so far. It, it's just they've been. They've been isolated, and the the nursing homes have gone into outbreak mode, and people can't visit and things like that. But it 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 just does beg the question whether um, we should be asking all uh, PSWs to to get vaccinated. Anyone who works with in in an elderly setting should perhaps um, I don't know be forced to be vaccinated or or it be strongly suggested something has to be done to eliminate
5: these outbreaks.
1: Well. Uh, I know that um, you know our laws are different than the United States. I know that in the UK, at least uh, a couple of nursing home chains are have instituted a no jab, no job policy, at least for new workers. Interesting. I mean, there 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 are lots of issues with this, but I mean, you know. Uh, David, I mean, it's it's whose rights are more important. You have a vulnerable resident at the, you know, towards the end of their life who is paying to be there, and you have an employee. And it it seems to me that the employee's right to not want a vaccine trumps, you know, the freedom and, and you know, the security well, well, of the I'm resident. Very,
2: I, I'm with you completely on it because there's numerous jobs, nothing to do with COVID where requirements exist failing which you can't be there. No hard hat, you can't get on the construction site. Uh, I mean there's there's numerous jobs where you have the perfect freedom as a citizen to not wear that hard hat, not get that job, not put on uh, 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 gloves for for infection prevention. There's a whole bunch of things you can do Great, as a citizen, but then you can't work in this facility. I mean, it's just such common sense. So I don't understand uh, in any way um, why health precautions and life, life and death, wouldn't take precedence over, um, you know, the absence of those conditions, particularly if you want to forfeit your job and do something else for a living. Go ahead.
1: Well, I mean again uh you know it's whose rights trump and i know that lawyers are standing by and and you know people will be sued if you take away someone's livelihood and it's their right but th- there are certain other things i mean today uh healthcare workers are going to be allowed 550 of them to watch the big game but only if they're vaccinated
3: right yeah but- these are, these are unusual times, and they require unusual action if we're going to stem uh, COVID. And there are other ways of, of doing it, too. Uh, we mentioned uh, New Brunswick last week. In New Brunswick, now any unvaccinated long-term care worker is required to take a rapid COVID test every other day if they're working in a, uh, facility. And uh, they've they've come at the issue that way. So why aren't in Ontario, why aren't we looking at other ways to make sure that the staff going into long-term care homes are not carrying COVID with them? If they haven't been vaccinated, why can't we test them?
1: Okay, I'm going to take a call from John in London, Ontario. Hi, John. Hi, Libby. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. It's Libby, by the way. Libby,
6: I'm sorry. <laughs> happen when you get to be an old guy.
1: <laughs>
6: <laughs> Just a quick question about the uh, second shot business. Now, my wife and I, we had our first shot, and when we got our shot, we were told that we were pre-booked for a second shot on the 14th of July. Yep, four now months. Now they come along and they've said, well, now you can book for your second shot starting the 14th of June.
1: Uh, how old are you? I'm 76. Okay, so today you can't quite do it yet. Go ahead. But here's my question.
6: Why would they not simply send us an email and say, your date for your second shot has been changed?
1: Okay, you know what? There are people who are asking that very same question, and it's quite confusing because, according to the minister today, you have to book your second shot. It's up to the person... Uh, over 80 today to book a second shot on the website. And, uh, uh, so it, it depends on a person's computer access and all of that. However, I have one relative who is 80 and she just told me that she got an email. Uh, she, she deleted it. So she's not sure exactly where it came from and she's got her second dose tomorrow. So so this is confusing, and, and people, please be patient. I will get to your calls, uh, but there was a, a, a call that just sort of disappeared from the board saying, will they call me, will they send me an email, or do I have to make the appointment? And what we're hearing from the authorities is that you have to make the appointment, but here I heard from somebody who got an email.
6: Well, uh, I, I called the London Middlesex Health Unit. And the lady that answered the telephone said, well, um, I, if, if I was you, I would book a second appointment.
1: Yeah, said, well, you can't it, yet. It's not open for you yet, but I it said, will can be. You, can it,
6: you not give me a definite answer? Well, no, I'm just answering the phone.
1: Well, look, what, what I'm saying is that so far, uh, the authorities have said, if you want to move up your appointment, You've got to book it yourself. I know that there is; it's not true in every quick case because I just heard from someone who got an email. But organized confusion. Yeah, it's uh, well, or disorganized confusion. But you know what? Uh, it it might there might be a little more clarity before you would be allowed to book because you're not in the first tranche.
6: Oh no, no, and, and I'm hoping that that maybe they might get their act together by that time.
1: Okay. Thank you, John. Good luck. Okay. Thank you. Have a nice day. You too. Bye-bye. And that was exactly uh, the question of another caller. Now, Bill, would you say that's disorganized power for the course or what?
3: Uh, Well, it certainly is uh, power for the course. What we were being told, as you said today, that if you already had an appointment for a later dose, if you called up when it was your age range turn, you could book an earlier appointment and your later appointment would be automatically canceled. The problem is that the province is divided up into between 17 and 24 areas, depending how you you look at it, which all have slightly different uh, approaches. So you really have to check with your own local authorities. And we certainly recommend, as you said, when it's your term, Go ahead and book an earlier dose. Don't expect them to contact you because most people, we understand, won't get an automatic email.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, David, I think that this has something to do with those uh, pop ups. My relative, had her first shot in a pop-up before there were pop-ups, before they were called that. And it was extremely efficient. And and this is an example of the efficiency, even though it's apparently going to be at a different location. Uh, So, but I mean, is this, I don't know, do we need a more centralized system? Well,
2: I think we need more centralized clarity. I mean, I have a question right away. Is this just for second shots? I mean, our local Shoppers Drug Mart is giving um, first doses of Pfizer um, with less than seven days notice, phone them up, make an appointment going. Could I then do that for my second shot? Or would they say to me, no, no, we're only allowed to give first shots here. I don't know.
1: The pharmacies, um, I think, are only giving second shots of AstraZeneca. are <laughs> so. well, if,
4: if you booked uh, through a pharmacy, which I did, they'll contact you for the second shot. Right.
2: So... Yeah it would have been rational for the system to say it's again to communicate look we don't have enough bandwidth we don't have enough manpower to automatically go back over all of the first shots we gave and automatically reschedule you got to do that on your own if you don't take any action then your original appointment stands we'll be happy to see you on that date if you want to get in ahead of time You've got to book it yourself. At least there, it's the absence of clarity.
1: Well, no, they said that infuriating
2: here because. But then when David, they said that when he phoned, they gave him a different story.
1: Yeah, they. They. I mean, Christine (laughs) Elliott was just up in the house saying
2: that. Okay, well, at least that's clear. Good for her. I I agree. But
1: but, you know, not everybody wants to watch question period, and who can blame them? Of course,
2: (laughs) no, no. I know she can only do what she can only do. To be fair. Yeah, it's I mean, all over the map because the first dose was all over the map. So it's uh, it's not a smooth. Uh, I must say, though, in fairness, that when I got the shot, it was a well-oiled machine. It was a very, very well-organized uh, process. So hopefully, that'll apply when you finally get in with your appointment.
1: Okay, let's take a call from Duncan in Dunchurch. Hi, Duncan. <laughs> not a joke either. No, <laughs> it rhymes though. Uh-
7: Tell me, uh, I'm listening to all the um, the comments there and their experiences. Well, I just was able to do the the, uh, the booking the second dose this morning for a uh, friend over eighty. And when it was all said and done, I got an email that said uh, confirming the the appointment and canceling the uh, the original second dose appointment.
1: And you did that by phone?
7: And that, yes, that was by phone. In fact, I had the computer on and the phone to see which was going to come through first, and it was the phone.
1: And how long did it take?
7: Ten minutes.
1: Ten minutes. Okay. That's well, uh, that's uh, like that, eh? That's a lot quicker than you'll get to customer service for just about anything these days. Good for you, Duncan.
7: Well, I started right at eight o'clock.
1: Yep. Thank you for that. Because
7: that's when the phone's open. So I meant to ask the lady who was booking it uh, what would happen to the original second-dose appointment that you got with the first dose. And uh, But then I found out when the email came through showing the cancellation of the original second-dose appointment and confirming the new one. And guess what the difference was? What? One, one day. No. Oh. It was canceling the July 12th. Appointment and confirming uh, July 11th. What so for?
1: For somebody over 80, July 11th? Uh, yeah.
7: That Does
8: doesn't
1: that sound, sound right. Hmm. hmm. That's that's a big hmm, Duncan. Uh, we'll we'll have to try to get to the bottom of that. Thanks for your call.
7: Yeah. Well, no, nobody's upset. They're happy to get a second dose, no matter when, right?
1: Yeah, that doesn't sound right, though. Thanks, Duncan.
7: Uh, you think it should be earlier than that?
1: I do. Um, I do. Thank you. But uh,
4: they they <coughs> say that um, a lot of it depends on where you live yeah. and the uh, supply of, of where you live. So maybe people who live in areas where there are more doses will get their second appointment sooner than someone who lives in a more rural setting. Yeah,
1: that's, uh, that is probably the case. Just, uh, you know, before we start to wrap things up, moving right along, uh, what about, you know, restrictions have been relaxed just a touch. Uh, David, are you able to see your grandchildren, you know, (laughs) a little in the backyard or anything like that? Has anything changed?
2: Yes, we were able to visit outdoors um, and we have done so. So uh, we're still, um, well, I'm, and I'm seeing a lot more people, you know, uh, doing that, uh, you, you know, associating in the in the parks or you know, gathering together. I'm not part of any big mass indoor indoor uh, gathering, but outdoors with the weather being nicer, it was uh, cold, you know, last week, and then it got nicer. Uh, we're able to do that now. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um,
3: well, uh, very welcome. A very welcome development.
1: Yeah, course. Bill. How about you?
3: Well, as you know, I'm in Nova Scotia at the moment, and we're under a hard lockdown until uh, the middle of this week, and then they're going to cautiously start reopening uh, things again. But at the moment, we're restricted to our own town or our community, and to uh, to no interaction with other people. No. No restaurants. Uh, they're just doing uh, uh, deliveries. So, uh, and and what we're hearing from our cart members right across the country is they're patient with slow reopening. They they're really worried about a fourth wave, and they'd much rather take a see officials take a little bit more time now uh, than move uh, too quickly. So, and we're hearing where they weren't where our members weren't quite so cautious. Uh, a year ago, even six months ago, now they're uh, telling us, tell the government to go slow, take it easy. Uh, we want to see the end of this thing, and we don't want to take a chance of it coming back in full force again.
1: And, and you know, it's interesting here in Ontario, Peter, the big uh, conversation is, should schools reopen for the last few weeks? The premier is being very cautious about it, and it, it seems to be very divided, even among the medical community you have a lot of people saying hey you know what um we don't really know if it's safe and is it worth taking that risk for just a few weeks
4: yeah i i don't think it's worth it at all i um my son e- even if his school reopens he's not i don't think he'll go back you know for the final few weeks so uh i i just think they that's something that could be avoided without any um sort of human cost so uh I I I think it would be advisable not to reopen the schools and just wait till September when when everyone has at least one dose.
1: And and uh is he able to you know he's a teenager, right?
4: Yeah, we we let him make up his own mind, but uh and he, and he had gone in on the earlier um when, you know when they were given the opportunity, he had gone into school to see his friends and such, but uh I I think he's just over it and just you know a few weeks isn't going to make any difference and and uh so we'll see.
1: Okay, uh, let's take a call. A more about the uh, the vaccine booking follies. Mary and Trenton. Hi, Mary. Hi, uh, I'm a first time caller, Libby. Oh. Every- Thank you.
9: I, listen to-, I listen to you every day. This morning, I called the provincial number. I'm over eighty, and I understood that as of this more as of today, uh, those over eighty were able to uh, call or go online and book their sec- an early second appointment. So I chose the phone. I did the 888 number, and uh, I got it. It was less than an hour, which wasn't a bad wait. I expected that. And then the first thing they asked me, along with my name and health card number, and then they asked my postal code. So I gave my postal code, and then they went down. They said, at this time, there are no appointments available. Wow. And I'm over 80.
1: Well, uh, you know what? Uh, You've given me something to try to get to the bottom of, and I suspect that Peter is right that it's very different in different areas. Uh, But that doesn't sound. You said you waited an hour on the phone, and they told you there were no appointments. A
9: little bit less than that. Oh, And I expected, I, I didn't mind the wait. I had my breakfast and my coffee. I just had my speakerphone on and just waited.
1: Yeah. Um, you know what? Well, we're going to try to get to the bottom of that for you, Mary. I don't yeah. know what to say. Uh, the other thing they did uh,
9: in the preamble, uh, they for booking for 18 years old, 18 and those over 80. So I got a little bit concerned that I'm on the same waiting list for an appointment as an 18-year-old.
1: Well, yeah, I'm concerned about that, too. Um, Mary, thanks for your call. Uh, keep listening. We'll try to get to the bottom of it. I'm pretty sure that, that Peter's theory is right. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you for taking my call. I you're, appreciate that. You're very welcome. Thanks, Mary. Okay, we're um, out of time. I'm going to give you how about 10 seconds each, starting with Peter.
4: Yeah, well, the the rollout of the second dose is off to a chaotic start. Let's hope it improves in the upcoming weeks.
1: Okay, David?
2: I agree. I think it will improve, though. I think that they're uh, trying to manage uh, too many things all at the same time, and it'll gradually settle down. I hope so.
3: Bill? I hope our listeners will be patient and do whatever it takes to get that uh, dose that's coming to them as quick as they can get it.
1: Okay. And, and everybody, first of all, stay with us. We're going to be continuing uh, about other, uh, sort of aspects of this conversation when we talk to our next guests. Right now, we're going to take a quick break. Before we go to break the numbers to call 416 360 740 toll free 1-866-740-4740. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Oh, no. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Welcome back. Now, uh, adding to our conversation from the first Half of the show, we had big news on the pandemic front over the weekend. First, we learned that we'll have a new chief medical officer of health by the end of June. He's Dr. Kieran Moore. He is currently at the helm of public health in Kingston, which has had a stellar record throughout this. And also, and this uh, a bit troubling for some people, the government has extended the expiry date on those AstraZeneca doses that were short dated to the end of business today. So, we originally heard that they were going to expire at the end of the day today. Now we hear actually they're good for another month. It's another issue with AstraZeneca. It has a lot of people wondering we will get to the bottom of that. Let me give you the numbers. 416 Three six zero zero seven forty toll free one eight six six 1-866-740-4740 and let us begin with the AstraZeneca question. Let's go to pharmacist John Papasturgio who is a frequent contributor on this show. Hi John, how are you? Hey Libby,
8: good to be back. How are you? I'm fine, how are you? Ah, busy as always. You know how it is here. We've got... Uh... Light up constantly uh, vaccinating as many people as we can it's been a it's been a busy weekend that's for sure
1: okay so i I have to say that that even I was a little surprised on the weekend the government announced that it was extending the 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 date on the vaccine I mean isn't it that's something normally that the manufacturer does?
8: yeah, I mean the manufacturer uh, could do that as well really uh uh, I imagine some stability studies have been done, and that's what's uh, to, you know helped them make this decision. Generally, Libby, with any uh, drug, there's capacity built into the expiry. It's not like you hit the expiry date and all of a sudden the drug goes bad, right? Uh, what we worry about is maybe it's not as efficacious, or maybe the drug will degrade. Uh, and this applies both for oral and injectable drugs. Uh, I have seen in my career, especially with very expensive drugs, where uh, they're becoming short dated, and a third party will do, uh, you know, an analysis of the stability and deem it to be okay, and then the expired date can be extended. So it's not the first time that I've seen this in my career. It does happen, I imagine, because of the importance of getting this this vaccine uh, into the arms of Canadians. They've probably done that work, and uh, Health Canada has made the decision that is it is okay. You don't remember these are sealed they're all products. So uh, very unlikely that anything's gone into any of these vials. Uh, And as long as they've been stored properly, I imagine it's probably uh, fine as well.
1: What's the difference between testing for the stability and uh, testing for the efficacy? Because we do know that the efficacy, as you just said, starts to go down, you know, after the expiry date.
8: Yeah, well, I mean, it, it can, it can. And I think, what they probably looked at when they did those stability tests was the vaccine still active. Was there as many particles there post, you know, uh, the dating as there was prior and there probably was, which would uh, you'd be then able to infer that you should get a similar immune response. And that's all we're really doing with the vaccine, right? Is generating an immune response. So as long as those viral particles are there, or the, uh, you know, uh, the same amount in the case of uh, this vaccine uh, mRNA is there, you'll, you know, you should be able to get a similar immune response. And I think that's probably how the decision was made. That being said, I haven't seen any data for it. They haven't shown us any data. Uh, But, you know, we have a lot of Canadians right now that got uh, first dose uh, AstraZeneca, and I think it's important that we dose them with the booster, right? Uh,
1: So... How would they be testing this are they they're not testing it on people i presume how how do they test this
8: oh well, generally what they do is it's a it's a chemical analysis right so they'll put they'll put the uh uh you know the uh the vaccine under heat or under pressure which would simulate it being around for longer and then uh, uh they see what happens to the vaccine and if it's still good if there's still uh you know the capacity that was there Uh, you know, pre expiry then they deem it that, hey, this could go an extra month, you know? And again, I have seen that happen for other molecules, other drugs in the past, uh, when the expiry comes short.
1: I I mean, some people are very concerned. I'm going to read you from an email that I received. And basically it says, does it concern you that we may soon get a shot of vaccine, which was recently classed as almost useless?
8: well i don't know if we would say uh, almost useless right the the vaccine uh, itself is quite efficacious. I think where we, we you know, there was a lot of press around the safety and potentially clotting.
1: No, no, that person was definitely referring to the expiry date.
8: Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I don't know where he's getting that information from to say it would be almost useless post expiry. That would be like saying, if you took an oral medication, uh, say a diabetes drug a day after the expiry, that it would be useless. Uh, And we know, you know, that's not, not true. Uh, at all i mean we trust health canada and public health uh, generally to make these decisions based on available data i'm hoping that was done if it is done i'd be confident that the vaccine is uh, still good i understand the importance of getting those second doses in the arms of patients i've seen patients uh, Libby, and i've said this before uh, with one dose of both astrazeneca and or pfizer with some of these new variants end up in the icu ventilated right so I think getting the second uh, shot is important. If it means we have to extend the ex- expiry date and trust that the vaccine is still good, I think I take that risk uh, outside of the risk of not having patients uh, vaccinated.
1: Now, you have uh, finished your supplies of AstraZeneca, right? Yeah,
8: I just ended uh, last doses were given yesterday. So now it's a uh, wait and see on my end to see. We're still doing Pfizer vaccine here, but I'm waiting to see when we get uh, more because uh, I do still have a lot of patients that are interested in getting that second dose.
1: And my understanding is that there was a shipment last week, and it's in the warehouse. It just hasn't been distributed yet.
8: Yeah, I hope they get that. I've heard some, I don't know for sure, but again, uh, I hope they're able to turn that around relatively quickly and get it out of the warehouse and into the public health clinics and or pharmacies, and, and we could uh, you know, wrap up these second doses.
1: Uh, Yeah, and do you know what the expiries on those would be?
8: No, I don't know. Until I get it here, I won't know, unfortunately. Uh, And like I said, hopefully it's soon because we do have uh, quite a few patients still interested.
1: Okay, I mean, if you were listening at the top of the show... excuse me, Um, The people are, are, we're we're in the booking follies uh, for people over 80, which would not be for uh, the AstraZeneca vaccine. In terms of the pharmacy, you're just calling your patients, right?
8: Well, I mean, yeah, we were doing that. But then we had, you know, we were trying to manage as many as we could. And I got some incremental supply a few days ago. So, uh you know i went through 1500 doses probably in three days here so it was a very very busy uh a few days where we tried to you know uh get our patients in uh high-risk patients maybe from some of the other local pharmacies that really needed it we were trying to balance that but it's uh it hasn't been easy on pharmacies Libby, we're trying to do all this uh, within the context of our you know regular workflow and covid testing and everything else so it's uh Uh, These are very busy places. Our lines are inundated with calls. And one of the messages I'm trying to get out is let us call you at this point. Uh, You're just uh, boggling up the lines. And a lot of times there's not more that we could tell you than what I'm saying right now.
1: Hmm. Um, Let's take a couple of calls, John. Uh, We've got Barbara in Stratford. Hi, Barbara. Hi, how are you? Fine. How are you?
10: I'm pretty good, thanks. Um, I wanted to mention something about for the folks who cannot take uh, a a vaccination. Uh, There are some that that simply will have an adverse reaction. I'm one of them.
1: All right. Yeah, well, there there, there are uh, exceptions. Everybody understands that. Yes, well, I had... uh,
10: I, uh, when the swine flu, uh, uh I can't just remember when it first appeared, you know, and we were told, I was working as a nurse, we were told that we had to have the vaccination or we would lose our job. And if you recall what happened, it caused a lot of deaths uh, in the United States. It caused problems for me, uh our staff, some went home, they had a weakness in their limbs, and uh, uh, had a terrible time. Um, so due to that, uh, I'm going to make this brief, due to that, I rely on the best defense, which is our immune system. Okay, great, Barbara, and thanks. the World Health Organization has mentioned this
1: briefly, okay. I wish they'd gone into Okay, Barbara, we're losing you. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, we are uh, just about out of time. So, John you, uh what do you tell people now?
8: Yeah, I, I think my message, uh, Libby, would be this. Let's trust uh, the stability data from Health Canada. Uh, hopefully uh, they open it up and we're able to see it as well. But at this point... Uh, you know, best information suggests the vaccine is safe to extend by a month. I think it's very, very important we get boosters in the arms of those Canadians that have had their first AstraZeneca dose. I mean, hopefully, uh, uh pharmacies will get more supply and we'll be able to call you and proactively get you into the pharmacy. And beyond that, we're still actively uh vaccinating for Pfizer as well. And I mean, we got to The only way we're getting out of this mess is if we, uh, uh, you know, the percentage of Canadians that are vaccinated with two doses is higher and higher. And I think that's our ultimate goal. And hopefully we can start opening up because this isn't a great thing uh, either, being shut down like this.
1: Okay, Uh, John, thanks very much. Uh, we've, uh, We've been trying to reach and have successfully reached Dr. Gerald Evans in Kingston. Hi, Dr. Evans.
5: Hi, Libby. How are you?
1: Fine. How are you? Good, thanks. So uh, we all want to know your reaction. We're getting a new Chief Medical Officer of Health from your region. Your region has been doing amazingly well throughout this. So so what is your reaction?
5: Uh, Well, I've been saying very often times our loss is the province's gain. Uh, My my colleague and friend, uh, uh, Dr. Karen Moore, is a great MOH, and I think he's going to be a really superb uh, chief medical officer of health for the province. He's got uh, he's a great communicator, um, and really has all the all the necessary skills and uh, knowledge in that. I think to do a great job.
1: Mm-hmm. And um, you know, here's something interesting that's come up. We saw that in London, Western University was the first to come up with requiring students who want to live in residence have to be vaccinated. Do you think that would be a good idea for Queens and Kingston?
5: Uh, yeah, I do, actually, and, and chiefly because here in Kingston, of course, the vast majority of our students, particularly the undergraduate population, really comes from elsewhere in Canada. They're from across Ontario and, of course, across the country. And uh, actually, just a small number of people uh, who do come to Queen's who are actually from the Kingston area. Um, and if we were just taking students from Kingston, we'd be great. Our numbers are extraordinarily low now, uh, we're well below any threshold, which would suggest that we have any kind of ongoing community prevalence but but, like I said, with people arriving from elsewhere uh it's a really good policy to put into place, and I think we're going to see likely more of that as the uh, as the summer emerges
1: uh, also uh, do you have any insight at all on um We've heard from a number of people over 80 at, and booking or trying to book vaccines And it seems like the situation is very different in, in different places across the province. One woman, after waiting an hour, told that, that uh, no appointments were available and, and uh, somebody here, uh, you know, getting an email saying, you're up tomorrow.
5: Yeah, uh, yeah there's the, the provincial system certainly uh, has had its uh, ongoing problems. Uh, with trying to get people booked in and stuff and, and the two things you just described, uh, I've also heard described amongst, uh, amongst people I know. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's not the best, uh, circumstance to have that happen. Obviously, clearly, um, as was just, um, stated when I came on, uh, the line today is that, you know, we need to get second doses into people and particularly into uh, some vulnerable individuals, um, just to make sure that their protection is is optimized. So um, we need less of that and, and more sort of uh, clear stuff. And I, I'm, I know a lot of people around the province have been reaching out specifically through their public health units, and some of the public health units have very good systems in place, which are really helping to facilitate those second doses.
1: Okay. Thank you so much, Dr. Gerald Evans in Kingston. Thanks for having me. Okay, we've got to take a break. When we come back, Dr. Lawrence Lowe, who is the Medical Officer of Health for Peel Region, which has been one of the hardest hit in contrast to Kingston, and we'll hear how things are going there and also how uh, his region is trying to reach those people over 80 who are now eligible for a second dose, but many of whom haven't even had a first dose when we come back.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Welcome back. Now it is time to check in with Dr. Lawrence Lowe, who is the Medical Officer of Health for Peel Region. Hi, Dr. Lowe.
11: Libby, thanks for having me.
1: Thank you for coming on. Well, uh, today's the day. That people over 80 can start booking their second appointments. Meanwhile, last week, we learned that a lot of people over 80 haven't had their first shots. And it's because they're vulnerable, difficulty accessing shots. And I would assume that uh, there are a lot of those vulnerable people in your region.
11: Well, you know, it's interesting, uh, Olivia. I mean, I was just looking at the numbers before I got on, and we are actually seventy percent first dose covered in our eighty-plus population. Excellent. Uh, so, so the goal, of course, would be to try to uh, get those folks through for their second doses, especially in a region where there's lots of. Uh, lots of variants circulating. We want to make sure they get that two-dose coverage for the full protection. Um, but uh, you're right that uh, the last leftover 20%, 25% uh, that we were trying to get to, those are certainly the people that are homebound. Those are people that are there. We've definitely got our homebound program still doing uh, four different paramedic teams, uh, trying to get through uh, to, to each and every single person there. Uh, and also, uh, we have our uh, transport networks that are trying to get people in uh, to our mass vaccination clinics for uh, their first services as well.
1: And and uh, so, th- how many people can they deal with on a daily basis?
11: So, I believe for the entire month uh, of um, of June, we've actually put aside around two thousand two thousand five hundred doses for the homebound program. So, if it works out, we're doing about uh, about uh, you know over twenty days. So that's yeah. So, we're doing about twenty twenty people a day or so. Uh, Um, These are obviously the most resource-intensive ones. you got to get to people's houses, get in, et cetera, all those other challenges. Um, And so we are hoping with additional allocation, we'll continue increasing that. We also have our mobile modality, which has been going to large apartments or townhouse complexes with seniors, uh, and that one has uh, a bit more, uh, fairly more doses behind them. So there's certainly the homebound and there's certainly the overall mobile program that we're still working to get first doses out to some of our most vulnerable seniors.
1: And do you have any plans to use uh, those means for second doses?
11: Absolutely. So uh, certainly everything is uh, is dependent on allocation as it continues to be given uh, by the province. But, uh, you know, we, we've done it uh, with great success, I would say, for first doses. That's contributed to the 70 percent first dose coverage and 80 plus that we see there. And I imagine uh, as we continue with the second dose uh, campaign that that will also uh, go forward at the appropriate interval.
1: And, and what do you think that might be?
11: Well, so right now we're doing, uh, 80 pluses who received their doses at least any time, uh, before the last 28 days. So meaning if you received your first dose in the region of Peel, uh, before, um, you know, the first weekend of May or so, you're eligible to book your second dose anytime this week. This is the acceleration of the, of the schedule that's available. And I know that our hospital partners and our team have been reaching out to individuals who booked uh, earlier on to try to get them in. Um, But obviously, that interval still needs to be that minimum interval of at least 21, 28 days uh, still needs to be respected. And of course, it's all very dependent on uh, allocation and availability as well.
1: Mm hmm. Uh, Just as a note here, it's interesting that you're saying that your hospital partners are reaching out at at, uh, earlier in the show. I was saying that, you know, on the one hand, the health minister is saying if you want to move up your second shot, you've got to do it through the booking system. In the meantime, I heard from a relative of mine who got an email um, uh, and deleted the email, so she wasn't sure who it was from. She's, she's getting her second dose tomorrow, which I say, knock whatever it, whatever it is on my desk here. Uh, but um, uh, it, it was from Humber River Hospital, and uh, Trillium in Peel region, I guess, is, is also and has been doing a great job, and they're actually reaching out to people, which is what a lot of people say is necessary.
11: Absolutely. I would say all of these are necessary. So the message really needs to get out. And that's why I'm so grateful to chat on your show today. Uh, You know, if you're 80 plus and you've had your dose, uh, your first dose uh, before the last 28 days, then by all means, give a call to your hospital or to your, you know, the the provincial booking line to make sure that you're booking your appointment uh, or rebooking your appointment if, if it's something you'd like. Um, And then at the same time, we've got, you know, hospital partners, all these other people who will be doing that outreach as well, just to make sure that every potential opportunity is given uh, to try to get this group in for prioritized, accelerated second doses. Uh,
1: Do you have a view on the reopening of schools in your region?
11: Yeah, so certainly, I I, think we support the idea that uh, schools uh, should be the first to open, uh, first to close, uh, open and last to close, right? And as we move towards a broader economic uh, recovery, I think uh, the measures, and you'll remember I actually was, uh, you know, together with Toronto in a coordinated manner, we actually uh, moved schools to online uh, learning when we, when we were getting to levels of community transmission that started to um, to, to uh, challenge some of the measures we had in place in schools. We're now back to levels of transmission where those measures would still work. We also know that many teachers are vaccinated, many 12 to 17s have gotten vaccinated just in the last little while in the run up to this week. So, you know, the time might be right to try to see what we can salvage out of the school year. And, and I know that I signed that letter together uh, with the other medical officers of health in the province and the Hospital for Sick Children uh, to really look at uh, a, per- a return to in-person learning sometime sooner rather than later.
1: Well, what do you say to the other scientists who just say, you know what, uh, maybe it'll be OK, but maybe not. And, and they don't think it's worth the risk for a few weeks of school.
11: You know, I think for me, it's the few weeks of school that I incorporate into my risk profile, right? So we are seeing a clear declining trend. We know that there's lots of vaccine coverage rates. We know that it is the next few weeks uh, worth of school, and the science table says that it should be a manageable uh, increase in cases, if if at all, recognizing, of course, the vaccine coverage rates need to be accounted for as well. Um, and then I know that our health unit, in terms of our testing and our tracing, our tracing capacity and our provincial lab partners' testing capacity, those have really improved uh, just uh, throughout the course of the provincial stay-at-home order. All of this together would support even just a brief return to school to hopefully close out the year in person.
1: What is on your radar going forward then for the coming week or so? What uh, what are the most important things that you're going to be dealing with?
11: Well, I think there's a few things, uh, Libby. Certainly we know, as I mentioned, uh, second dose is starting up now. Uh, we know that there's increasing uh, variants of concerns uh, that still remain in circulation in uh, in our community, and uh, you know, Peel's rates still remain relatively high. So ideally, we'd like to continue driving those down through getting to second doses more quickly, and people continue to just limit their interactions uh, for a while longer. But in thinking about the other things that people can benefit from, we know that the children really would benefit from uh, in-person learning further development, their mental health, all these other pieces. Um, so now that we're at a level which might support in-person learning, I imagine landing that decision in the coming week would be really helpful.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's interesting, you know, the, the mayor of Brampton, Patrick Brown, he was really lobbying for healthcare care workers uh, to go and watch the game tonight. And uh, he had a point that not just is it a, a way to say thank you, but it's uh, kind of a way to show what can be accomplished, what you can do if you're vaccinated
11: oh yeah you know, absolutely and i mean uh, to the extent that i initially uh, had a difference of opinion with mayor brown just saying well we are still under a stay-at-home order i understand uh, you know i think it is at least maybe a, almost like a test case or a pilot i can i can understand it from that perspective but i think the bigger thing you're right vaccines are safe they're effective they work you know the fact that our long-term care homes uh, really, we're protected through this very significant third wave that we've just had there, and we've seen you know, a significant decline in transmission that has been driven both by the measures but also increasing rates of vaccination. The message is really clear to everyone. If you haven't got your first dose, please get it, and if you haven't got your second dose, stand by. It's coming soon, and the sooner we get to second doses, the sooner we'll be able to continue reopening gradually with confidence.
1: Okay, thank you so much, Dr. Lawrence Lowe, who is the Medical Officer of Health for Peel Region. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Okay, we are towards the end of the show, and uh, what I'm taking away from this is that there are lots of different experiences in terms of booking that second dose. I know that there are people who did not get through who want to talk about it. Uh, I'm sure we'll be on it again tomorrow, so keep listening. Call back, and we want to know your experiences. I definitely want to follow up on, uh, you know, the... Uh, Uh, The different experiences in different parts of the province, we have some people getting notices that they're up tomorrow and others saying, oh, no appointments available for those over 80. And that's all the time we have for today.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.